Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. Are you ready to take your life to the most incredible level possible in 2016? Well, we've had three sold out wellness summits these last few years, but honestly, nothing comes close to the wellness breakthrough and we have just three spots remaining. Your favorite wellness couch experts, the wellness guys, Karen Smith, Kim Morrison, Quirky Cookings, Joe Witten, Marcus Pierce, and of course, Carl Brock are gathering in the Dandenong Ranges for three days and two nights for one incredible event. If you want possibly the greatest peer group in health and wellness to help you catapult your life to the next level, then we'd love to see you at the Wellness Breakthrough from February 5th to the 7th. But again, there's only three spots available. Entry to the breakthrough is by application only, and to apply, simply email your contact details to marcus at thewellnesscouch.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome to episode 59 of The Real Food Reel. Today we are joined by Dr. Brett Hill from The Wellness Guys and That Paleo Show and we will share with you his newest project, Nourish Without Nagging, how to get your kids to love eating healthily. Let's dive straight in today team. Hi Brett and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here and as it's your first time on The Real Food Reel, I can't believe it's your first time, but as (laughs) it is, I'd love you to start with a quick summary of who you are your health journey and your background in the health and wellness industry, please. Great. All right. Well, that should take pretty much the whole episode, so that's <laughs> fine. Um, so I'm a chiropractor. Um, I'm a father of two. Um, my journey into the health industry, I guess, really started when I was in about year 10 and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And I got out that massive big book called The Job Guide. I don't know if you remember that. It has every single job under the sun in it. And I literally read every single job in The Job Guide looking for something I was remotely interested in. Um, now, I'd always wanted to do something in health. Um, I've actually got a, a coloring in drawing I did when I was in about year three where I said I was going to be a physiotherapist. So even from a very early age, I wasn't too far off the mark. I knew I wanted to help people. Um, and I always loved nature. I loved the outdoors. I loved natural environment. I was, you know, did cubs and scouts and all those sort of things. So when I started looking through all these different jobs and I discovered this thing called chiropractic, which seemed like a more natural approach to health, I thought that made sense to me. You know, this idea that the body needs no help, just no interference, um, seemed like a fascinating concept to me and, and fitted in with my idea around the environment that really it doesn't need us to help it. It just needs us to get out of the way and, and let it do what it does naturally. So I decided that I might like to be a chiropractor, but I really had no idea what chiropractors did. So I decided I'd better go into a chiropractor and find out what they did. I went to see a chiropractor. They found some stuff in my spine that wasn't functioning as well as it could be and started adjusting me. Um, And I noticed some changes. I noticed that um, my asthma improved. I noticed that I slept better. I noticed that I wasn't getting as sick. Um, I didn't need to have antibiotics all the time, which up until that point had been a pretty common occurrence for me. And so I thought, hey, there's something to this chiropractic stuff, and that's what I decided to study. And then 
as I went through my chiropractic study, I started learning more and more about health and wellness and, and I started realizing that you know, as much as I could really help people by making sure they were free from nerve interference, that addressing all the other factors in terms of their diet and their exercise and their mindset and all those other factors were going to make a really big difference. And I found that you know, I was going to all these amazing health seminars and chiropractic seminars and learning just incredible information. Um, but then I'd walk out the door from the seminar and I'd realize that that information wasn't being shared with the general public, that most people on the street weren't doing that, didn't have any idea of what we'd been talking about or the research that was out there. And so I decided that I was going to be really passionate about wanting to share that with heaps of other people. And so that kind of started a bit of a journey for me. It started with uh, writing some articles in some local newspapers here in South Australia. Um, it transitioned into starting to do some radio work. Um, I then wrote my first book, which was How to Eat an Elephant, which is all about helping people create sustainable lifestyle change. Um, that then blossomed into a podcast show, which was The Wellness Guys, um, and, and started to share the information through this new media, which I really had no idea what a podcast was or how that worked. So that was a fascinating journey for us with the success of The Wellness Guys because it just absolutely took off. Um, from there, we started having people wanting more podcast shows, so we decided to make The Wellness Couch, which of course is what this show now sits on. We've now got 19 different shows on the wellness couch. Um, and I've gotten back into writing. I've now got, I think, four ebooks that I've written. So I've started sharing more and more information. And the latest one is just the one that I'm absolutely most passionate about because it's all about getting kids to eat healthy and, and having two little kids myself and just looking at our society and where it's going. I just know that getting kids on board and getting kids healthy and Creating a healthy environment for my kids to grow up in is just super important and I'm so passionate about it. So that's my latest book and I'm really, really excited about it. Yeah, and that's why we've got you here today and I've been following your journey. I know you and I spoke about the book um, some time ago now so it's great yeah. to see it released and I see from certainly what you've posted on social media that it's been a real labor of love. So I'd love you to start for us in sharing how the need came about. Was it directly with your own kids or you know, a combination of what you see in clinic? Yeah, well, a, a lot of it obviously started with my own kids. It was you know, obviously something that I, I quickly realized with my kids was something that you know, I wanted to make sure I was getting right um, and that it was an important thing. And, and being involved in, in health and wellness and, and being lucky enough to be exposed to so many amazing people through the interviews and things that we do, um, you know, I obviously had some great knowledge there that I wanted to impart onto my kids. Um, and I quickly realized that, you know, whilst I could sort of, particularly when they're little, I could sort of control what my kids were eating when they were with me, um, that, you know, what they were eating when they weren't with me was going to be really important too. And, and they were going to get lots of different outside influences. So I started focusing on how I could get my kids to want to eat healthy, to love to eat healthy, so that they would make that choice for themselves, so that they could start to make that choice not just when they were with me but when they were around other people and, and not with me as well. So definitely my kids were sort of the first driving factor behind this. Um, but then what happened was about five years ago I got invited onto a radio show and I got asked to talk about healthy kids eating and they asked me to give my top 10 tips for getting kids to eat healthy um, and I shared those on this radio show and the response was amazing. I got such a positive response. I got so many questions and I just realized that this was something that people were just absolutely crying out for. Um, and I realized that I had a unique opportunity to share some really great information and make such a difference to the health of kids. Um, and as I said, to, to help create a healthy environment for my kids by 
you know, my, my, what I would love to happen is that if healthy eating was the norm for kids, then that would be great because that would mean that the, the peer pressure that my kids were getting to, you know, eat different stuff would be so much healthier as well. So that was kind of the, the start of this whole journey for me was my kids and then, and then that one radio interview that really sparked it all off and, and got so much interest. Yeah, I think it does obviously remind you about what the general population doesn't know. Like you said earlier, in our world sometimes it's easy to think that everyone eats real food until you have these yeah. conversations with many individuals, certainly families that find it challenging and kids that might seem to be fussy. Um, but absolutely, it's obviously information that you know the majority are still crying out for. Yeah, absolutely. And and it is, people are crying out for it. And, and in many cases, that's the wonderful thing is that we've got this health and wellness movement really happening now and, and parents are really aware of what they would love their kids to be eating. All parents have something they'd love to add into their kids' diet. You know, they'd love to see some changes. And so there's really a, a motivated mass of people there ready to go, ready to rock and roll with this book. And this is just going to give them some great strategies to get those goals that they want, which is really exciting. Absolutely. And you say in the book that, you know, kids are so influenced by peer pressure, certainly with the advertising and marketing that it, that's attached to commercial food products. Yeah. And that does make it challenging. Um, but actually, I wanted to um, start with a little bit of information about some of the statistics that you uncover in the book that could actually be quite shocking for people that aren't aware. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some amazing statistics. And, you know, you could I could have pulled out so many to put into this book. You know, I could have had a whole chapter of statistics, but uh, but there was a couple of key ones that I wanted to share with people. And you know, in many cases, one of the questions I've had as I've been interviewed about this book is, you know, why? Why do we need to focus on healthy kids eating? Why do we need to make a change? And when you look at the statistics, it becomes really obvious. You know, we're now seeing in Australia that forty-one percent of children under the age of fifteen have a long-term health condition. So, you know, many people look at this and say, well, you know. I ate that when I was a kid or my kids have been eating this and they seem to be okay. Um, but the reality is that we're not okay. As a society, we're not okay. The fact that 40% of these children already have a chronic health condition is really alarming. And particularly when you think about them, that's just at the age of 15. So what happens to those kids when they get to 25 or 35 or 45 or 55? You know, The stats around chronic health, around lifestyle-related disease are going to be extraordinary if we don't do something about it. So what I say to everyone is, if you want to do what everyone else is doing, then you can expect to get the results that everyone else is getting. Um, and in a, the reality is in Australia, they're not great results. So 41% of children with a long-term health condition, 42% of kids under 15 have used medication within the last two weeks. You know, that's now almost the norm for kids who have used medication in the last two weeks. That's huge. 23% of 5 to 14-year-olds in Australia are overweight or obese. That's, that's almost one in four 5 to 14-year-olds are overweight or obese, um, which is once you realize the health ramifications of that, that's really scary. And then when you look at what we're actually doing, you know, they say that 6% of Australian adults and even less kids eat the recommended amount of fruits and vegetables. Now, you and I would both know, Steph, that the recommended amount of fruits and vegetables isn't that much. It's probably less than it should be, yet only 6% of the population are reaching those targets. So it's not surprising we're seeing those sort of challenges in terms of preventative disease, lifestyle-related disease and chronic disease because we know that it makes a difference. There is undoubted research out there that suggests that what you eat makes a difference to your chances of getting these chronic diseases. So we need to start making some changes or else you know, this generation is going to grow up and be a very unhealthy generation of kids. 
Yeah, and I think you're right, certainly starting from the ground up with children so we can prevent prevent a lot of these situations. Um, and these statistics just show us that we've been absolutely doing the wrong thing in Australia alone. And yeah. then, as a result, it's time to, to make a change. Otherwise, these numbers are just going to get worse. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? If you speak to any marketer, if you speak to any religion, you know, they'll say to you, the first seven years are the crucial period. You know, they all say that you need to get people indoctrinated in the first seven years if the behaviors that you would like to have them maintain for the rest of their life because that's where many of their belief systems are formed and many of those will really stick with people for the entire rest of their life. So that's why it's so important to start with kids. Ideally, if they're under the age of seven and you're starting, that's great. But even if they're older, the younger you start, the more impact you're going to have on them, the easier it's going to be for them to be able to make changes. Absolutely. And so in terms of feeding our children, where do you think we've been going wrong? Share with us some of the common mistakes that you've identified. Yeah, well, look, I think one of the biggest things parents do wrong is just being so hard on themselves when it comes to their kids, is beating themselves up. You know, there's, there is so much pressure now, not just for the kids, but for the parents as well because of media, because of social media, because of, you know, the images that are out there. It can be very, very hard for parents. So, you know, I think that any parent who's listening into this podcast is doing a great job as a parent. You know, they're doing the best they can with the information they've got to help their kids be healthy and happy. And so, you know, I think the first thing parents need to do is, is not beat themselves up, understand that they've done the best that they can with what they know and that now they've got an opportunity to learn even more stuff and they can maybe even do even better. So don't beat yourself up about it. But the other thing I think, the other big thing that happens for parents is I think, you know, in our modern society, we're so stressed, we're so time poor, we're so pressured that we're very often going for the quick fix to try and fix the problem. And so when it comes to kids, our quick fix in terms of getting food into them might be just getting a quick meal into them. It might be just junk food. It might be you know foods that ideally we wouldn't feed them, but we do it because of the time pressures. But the quick fixes are also the way we communicate with our kids. You know, we we nag our kids, we guilt our kids, we bribe our kids, we trick our kids into eating healthy food because that's the quickest and easiest way to get them to eat what's in front of them right now. Um, Unfortunately, what those strategies don't do, those quick fixes don't do, is they don't teach our kids to love eating healthy food. They don't develop strategies with the kids. They don't teach the kids tools that they can take with them for the rest of their life to help them choose to eat healthy food and to help them see why they would want to eat healthy food. So I think very often it's by the... The real issue is we're going for that quick fix. We're not investing the time to teach our kids to love eating healthy, which actually in the long run saves us heaps of time because we get our kids on the same page as us and we don't have the same argument over and over and over again. So I think that's the biggest factor is looking, taking a longer-term approach um, and not just going for the quick fixes. And what about the, the relationship between perhaps unhealthy foods and a reward-type system? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you've got to be very, very careful using food for any sort of reward. Um, so, you know, we see it all the time. You know, we see it, you know, the classic example is, you know, you go out and you play well at footy on the weekend and you get a McDonald's voucher, mm. you know. Um, we all grew up with these sort of systems where kids were taught that if you do well, you should reward yourself with unhealthy food because that's a great thing to reward yourself. You know, we're, we're teaching kids that that's a, that's a wonderful thing, that that's actually rewarding your body, you know, which is crazy really when you think about it, you know, that you're actually hurting your body and calling it a reward, you know, when there's actually heaps of stuff we could give our kids that would taste great, um, that would actually, you know, they would enjoy eating but would also nourish their body for the longer term. Now, 
I would see that as much more of a reward. But my preference actually would be that we don't use food as reward at all, that, that we don't create those links between food and reward. Um, and of course, the opposite happens as well, where you know your kid has a bit of a bad day, they've had a rough trot at school, and so you go and buy them an ice cream to cheer them up. And so now we've taught our kids that if you have a good day, you eat junk food. If you have a bad day, you eat junk food. You know, It's kind of like there's always an excuse to have some junk food. So you've got to be really careful and, and think about, well, what am I teaching my kid right now? What lesson are they learning from this consciously or subconsciously about what you do when you have a good or a bad day? You know, I think there's much healthier things we could teach them to do, whether that's quality time, whether that's exercise, whether that's getting out into the outdoors. You know, there are so many other things that we can use as rewards rather than using food. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, this doesn't necessarily apply to children, but I always remember the meme that was circulating years ago and it simply said, do not reward yourself with food. You are not a dog. <laughs> you know, I think we're adults yeah. and there's much more positive things we can treat ourselves. Um, and therefore, you know, those behaviors flow on to our children, which is really important now and into the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the key. The into the future bit is the really important bit when you're talking about kids because, you know, what you teach your kids about how to eat and what you teach your kids about their relationship with food is far more important than what's sitting in front of them on their plate right now. You know, because, you know, one meal is going to have an impact on a kid, but, but a behavior that they've learned, a habit that they've learned, a belief that they've learned might impact them for the rest of their life. And so it's really important to think about what you're teaching your kids, what sort of relationship you're developing with your kids around food, because that's what's going to stick with them for a lifetime. And, and you want to teach them to, to love themselves and to nourish themselves with healthy foods. So what do we do? I know in Nourish Without Nagging, you share your top 10 tips. So I don't yep. want you to give away all your secrets, but share with <laughs> us your right. top three tips for teaching kids to love eating healthily. Well, I think the number one thing is you need to teach them to love it. Okay, So you need to understand that they are motivated by very, very different things to what you are. And, and as a parent, you probably already know that, but, but it's important to utilize that in this process. So you know, as a parent, you might be motivated by avoiding those chronic diseases that we just spoke about, but your kids aren't motivated by that. They don't care. They actually don't care at all. And I know that's frustrating as a parent, but they just don't. And so you've got to figure out what motivates them. And so you know, for a young child, it might be as simple as running fast. You know, It might be as simple as developing some more muscle. You know, As they get older, they might want to play sport. They might want to do well academically. They might have a dream job that they would love to have when they get older. Um, you know, they might want to sing beautifully, whatever it is. You, know, you, you need to figure out what motivates them, what inspires them to take action, what inspires them to make change. And you need to show them how eating healthy food is going to help them get what they want. Because um, that's a fundamental shift when it comes to kids eating. Um, you know, all of a sudden, what it means is rather than me being on the opposite side of the table to my kids, having an argument with them about what they should eat, what I think they should eat versus what they think they should eat, all of a sudden, I'm coming around onto their side of the table. I'm sitting next to them saying, hey, here's this goal that we would both love you to achieve. Let's work together to make it work. Let's work together to help you get what you really want out of life. And let's do that by nourishing your body with some great healthy food. So, Teaching why they should love to eat healthy food is an absolute game changer. It just changes the whole experience. And you know, a large part of how you do that is by talking to them about how they experience food. You know, food isn't just how you feel as you eat it, but it's how it makes you feel afterwards. How does it make you feel that night, the next day, the next week? How does it actually affect your body? Um, so that sort of experience that they're able to attain from that 
helps them see why they would want to make changes because they see for themselves because kids are really aware. So I think focusing on what they should love would definitely be number one. Number two is definitely role modeling. You know, your kids just see straight through you. If you are not being congruent with what you're doing versus what you're saying, I think every parent knows this. Your kids do absolutely just see straight through you. So you need to make sure that you're leading by example when it comes to food with your kids. And and that doesn't mean just at the dinner plate. That means right from the start. So I think every parent should be growing some sort of herb, fruit, vegetable whatever. Um, you know, even if you don't have a garden, you've got room for a pot plant, get a pot plant, get some basil, you know, grow something because getting kids involved in that right from the start can be a great way to get them eating stuff. You know, if, once they're emotionally invested enough to have started watering a plant, feeding a plant, you know, potting a plant, seeing it grow, by the time it gets to the end and you put that food into whatever food you're going to put it in, they can be emotionally invested in wanting to at the very least try it if not eat it. So, Start right from the start. Take your kids with you to the markets or to the supermarkets. Help Get them to help you pick out what foods you're going to put into the stir fry or, or pick out what vegetables you're going to have that night. Um, get your kids involved in the cooking process, chopping things up, blending things. You know, Really role model it, not just when you're eating but right from the start the whole way through the process. Really teach them. Teach them how to love food. Teach them how to choose food. Teach them, you know, inform them with the knowledge so that they can make their own, own informed choice. Because because you'll be amazed when you really do inform your kids, when they really do know what the consequences are, then they actually tend to make great choices. They're, they're really clever. They're really switched on. They're really in tune with their body. Um, you know, oh, there's so many other bits. I want to say all of the tips <laughs> I've got from the book. But for the third one, I'll, I'll just say just keep trying. You know, that is probably the number one thing I could say to any parent is just keep trying. I think so often we get disenchanted as parents because we've done something, we've spent the time, we've made the effort and it hasn't worked this time. And sometimes I think we make the mistake of thinking because it hasn't worked this time, it's not going to work every time. And, you know, sometimes you'll see that with parents. They'll offer a child, you know, you'll offer a food to their child and they'll say, oh, no, he won't like that. He doesn't eat it. Or, you know, give this a go but you won't like it because it's not very nice. <laughs> you know, parents literally say these kind of things to their kids. And and so they're setting their kids up. They're, they're really, you know, they're giving them almost a life sentence. It's like, well, you didn't like that once so you're never, ever going to like it. And we all know that kids change all the time. I mean, the opposite happens as well and we all know that, you know, you think you've got it right with your kids. You're going great. They're all of a sudden eating some healthy stuff and then all of a sudden one day they just turn up their nose and go, no, I don't like that anymore, <laughs> you know, and you have to completely rethink. So we know that it happens. We know that they change their mind. We know that their tastes change as they get older. So just keep trying. Keep trying all of the different strategies that I've shared in the book. If one's not working for you right now, well, there's nine others you can try. You can start working on to see if you can get something to shift. And often it means just starting small. Take it easy on yourself. Just pick one little thing that you think might change. Pick the one thing that you think your kid's most going to like to eat and see if you can introduce that. And the great thing is that the more you do introduce healthier stuff, the more their tastes change, the more their habits change, the more they get away from perhaps some of their older addictions because they're not craving that food anymore and the easier it becomes over time as you start to have these great conversations with your kids and, and as they see why they would want to do it. So you just got to keep trying. It can be hard. It can take time. But if you put the work in, you really can get there. Yeah, I think that's completely true. And, you know, you make an important point. We need to look at the kids and their adaptation to food, to, to what we go through. I mean, any adult knows what it's like to have cravings. On the other side, they might have 
cut yeah. things like sugar out and notice their taste buds change and their their desire for healthy foods increase. And it's the same with the little ones. I mean, the kids that don't eat sugar from a young age, you know, they're not the ones that are asking for it for afternoon tea. Yeah. And it's a direct link to what their body knows and certainly their, their taste buds and how they develop. Absolutely. And it can change over time. I mean, look, you know, when I was 20, I was working at a hardware store. You know, my lunch, every single day, I used to have a pie, a pasty, a 1.25-litre <laughs> soft drink, and often I'd have a Mars bar as well. That was my lunch. That was what I would eat. That was the norm for me. You know, I would go out every weekend and I would binge drink. You know, I would, I would drink heaps. Um, and that was the norm for me. That was what I liked. And, you know, I've been able to change that and transition that, but it's happened slowly over a long period of time. You know, I have days now where I crave broccolini or spinach. You know, if you'd told me at 20 that I was going to crave broccolini or spinach, I would have just thought you were mental. I would have laughed at you. That would have been the most ridiculous idea in the world. But over time, my taste buds have changed. My cravings have changed. What What I know nourishes my body you know I, I crave the effect that I get from eating healthy food and how good that feels and and what I'm able to do when I eat healthy food because I know that I've got better energy my moods are better I'm I'm more motivated I'm more productive you know I crave that now because I know I've, I've learned that over time and and the same thing can happen with your kids yeah spot on so what do your kids eat for breakfast Oh, they eat a variety of things for breakfast. You know, the funny thing about doing this book is everyone's been asking me for recipe ideas. And the honest answer is I'm not great at recipes. I am not a great cook. I cook very simple things. Um, most of the stuff we eat in my house is very, very simple. It's very, very easy. It's very, very quick. Um, but I don't have heaps of great recipes. I've, I've been getting a little bit more clever over the last year or two of creating some fun, funky things for my kids. And they just had their birthday party yesterday. Um, and so we cooked up some great stuff for them. I made some special cupcakes and, and all sorts of different things that were all healthy. But most of the time for breakfast, my kids, it's like some cold meat, um, some fruit, some vegetables, maybe some nuts, maybe a little bit of egg. Um, but that's pretty much it. it it's very simple stuff. Um, the beauty of my kids is that's, that's all they've ever known. That's what they've grown up with. And so that's what they like to eat. Um, but, you know, more and more now they're getting other influences as well. And so, you know, we do different things too. You know, pancakes are one of my kids' absolute favorites for breakfast. So every Saturday morning we do pancakes. They're so easy. Two eggs, one banana, a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of vanilla essence. I blend it up. Away we go with my pancakes. Now, I, I have to triple that recipe nowadays because my kids like these pancakes <laughs> so much. So we do a bit more than that. Usually we put some coconut cream on top, maybe a little bit of maple syrup, which is great. Um, and that's their, that's their favorite breakfast. That's, that's our go-to. That's what my kids love having for breakfast. Yeah, simple but certainly far more nutrient-dense than anything from a supermarket. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of nutrients in there. They, they get lots of good stuff in there, definitely. So what's your final message for parents before we wrap up today, Brett? Well, my final message I think for parents is that it doesn't have to be so hard, you know, and that by taking the, the quick fixes, you know, whilst it might be easier in the moment, it's making it harder for you in the long run. Um, you know, you can have a relationship with your kids where you're on the same page at the dinner table. You know, you can have a relationship with your kids where you're working together towards a common goal of your kids eating healthy food and getting what they want out of life. You know, it's not... It's not something that's necessarily going to change overnight, although I've been amazed at some of the testimonials I've got back already about my book. You know, one of the mums said that her child went from only eating bread and pasta to eating a full plate of chicken, vegetables, and salad within the space of a week. Um, so 
I've been amazed at how quick some of the changes happen, but they're not all going to happen that quickly. So what I would say to the parents is be kind to yourself. Take it easy on yourself. Make small changes one at a time. Adopt these principles that I'm sharing in the book because it's not about how, what your kids are eating next week. It's about what your kids are eating next year or in five years' time or in 10 years' time. And the final thing I would love to say to parents is just enjoy your kids. You know, be, be present with them. Spend time with them. They're beautiful, beautiful little people. Enjoy the time you've got because they grow up super quick. So just enjoy spending this time and having these conversations with them because it is an absolute joy when you're all on the same page. It's an amazing resource, team, so make sure you check it out. Brett, could you direct us to how our listeners can get a copy of Nourish Without Nagging? Yeah, so the best way to get hold of it is to go to my website. So www.drbretthill.com forward slash shop. Um, it's available on iTunes. It's available on Amazon as well, but, but the website's the best spot to get hold of it. Amazing. So we'll pop all those links in the show notes, team. So head there now and grab your copy. And Brett, thanks for sharing your story. And I look forward to reading more testimonials and hearing more successes from Nourish Without Nagging. Uh, thank you so much for having me on board. I'm sharing all these stories already on my page. So check them out if you want to head over there on Facebook and see what people are saying because it's super exciting. I'm so proud of it. Amazing. Well done. And we'll talk to you really soon. Thanks, Dev. We hope you enjoyed this Wellness Catch podcast brought to you by Audible. Do you find that you just don't have time to read all the awesome books that you hear mentioned on the Wellness Couch? Well, Audible might just have the answer. Audible is offering the Wellness Couch listeners a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can get books like Eat Right for Your Blood Type, Why We Get Fat by Gary Torps, Paleo Diet for Athletes, or even The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash the wellness couch again that's audibletrial.com forward slash the wellness couch for your free audiobook this has been a production of the check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.